2 Samuel chapter 4. When Saul's son heard that Abner was dead in Hebron, his hands became feeble and all the Israelites were troubled. Saul's son had two men who were captains of raiding bands. The name of one was Baana and the name of the other Rechab, the sons of Ramon the Berethite, of the children of Benjamin, for Beeroth was also considered a part of Benjamin. And the Berethites fled to Gitaim and have lived as foreigners there to this day. Now Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news came about Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel, and his nurse picked him up and fled. As she hurried to flee, he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. The sons of Ramon the Berethite, Rechab and Baana, went and came at about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, as he took his rest at noon. They came there into the middle of the house as though they would have fetched wheat, and they struck him in the body, and Rechab and Baana his brother escaped. Now when they came into the house, as he lay on his bed in his bedroom, they struck him, killed him, and beheaded him, took his head and went by the way of the Arabah all night. They brought the head of Ishbosheth to David to Hebron and said to the king, Behold the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. Yahweh has avenged my lord the king today of Saul and his offspring. David answered Rechab and Baana, his brother, the sons of Ramon, the Berethite, and said to them, as Yahweh lives, who has redeemed my soul out of all adversity, adversity, when someone told me, Behold, Saul is dead, thinking that he brought good news, I seized him and killed him in Ziklag, which was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more when wicked men have slain a righteous person in his own house on his bed? Should I not now require his blood from your hand and rid the earth of you? David commanded his young men, and they killed them, cut off their hands and their feet, and hanged them up beside the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in Abner's grave in Hebron. Well, <laughs> that's the, the things that go on. So Saul had four sons. We read at the end of 1 Samuel that he went to war and he died, and three of his sons died with him. The fourth son, Ishbosheth was the one that didn't die. And it doesn't say why he wasn't in the war. Maybe he wasn't the fighting type. But he was 40 at the time that that happened and he became king at the age of 40. So I'm not sure whether he was just getting a little old for the battle. It's all guesswork. But in any case, he became king. He was the remaining one. And um, Abner was the commander of the army. Now Abner was the guy who was commanding the army back when Saul was the king, and now Abner is still the commander of the army. So Abner's a, a genuine fighter. He's capable, he's good at leading soldiers, he's a, a fighter himself, and Ishbosheth was confident with him, but now that he was killed, which is what we talked about in the previous chapter, now Ishbosheth <laughs> is worried. And um, the, the, uh, the chapter here pauses in verse four, and it, for some weird reason, talks about Mephibosheth. So the whole chapter is about Ishbosheth, the king, the king of Israel. But in verse four, it talks about Mephibosheth. These are two different people. They have very similar sounding names.
but Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, who was five years old, and um, he, he was lame because his nurse dropped him when she was trying to flee. And um, it just mentions that he exists in verse four, and it seems so weird to just mention, but if you think about it, um, it's, it's kind of like telling you, if you, if you were reading this in ancient times or having this read to you, you'd be thinking, if Ishbosheth dies, who's gonna be next in line to the throne? So you'd kind of be having this question about who's next in line to the throne. And it just throws in that verse four to tell you, the next person in line to the throne is a five-year-old who's lame in two feet. <laughs> so in other words, you're just getting a little bit of background information and you're being told that the next in line to the throne of Israel isn't much of an option. He's young, he can't govern, and he can't even hardly walk. So um, we know that David has been promised to be the king of all Israel, not just of the one tribe. And we know that Ishbosheth in Israel, he's the king of 11 tribes, but the heir to the throne there isn't much of an option. So anyway, two of the men that were in, in Ishbosheth's army, they sneak into his house in the middle of the day when he's having an afternoon nap, and they kill him, and chop off his head and bring the head to David and they think they're doing him a great favor. But what they've done is it's a cold-blooded assassination and it's murder every way you look at it and it's evil. Now David was no stranger to war and fighting and killing, but all of his, all the killing that David does, except for in one example, is all in the context of war. When we were doing um, the Ten Commandments way back in Exodus 20, and, and we also, they also get a, a reprise in the book of Deuteronomy, we talked about the difference between murder and killing. Murder is where you, where you, you go and kill someone just because you hate them and want them, want them dead, whereas killing, there are, often, there are sometimes reasons for killing, such as capital punishment in, in the case of justice, certain laws require it, or in the case of war. And David, in every case where he kills, it's in the context of war, except in the story of Uriah the Hittite, which we'll get to in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And it's a terrible stain on his record. And so David is very upset, and he has no choice but to uphold justice and to put these two men to death. They had to be punished for their crime. What they did was wrong. David is someone who is an example of Christ even though he wasn't perfect, a perfect example of Christ, but he's someone that upholds justice. These men were glory seekers, but David, uh, but they weren't seeking the Lord's honor, but David was seeking the Lord's honor, and he had to do what was right. So interestingly, these two men, they turn up to David with the head of Saul, and they say, the Lord has delivered you of your enemy. Now, if you think about that, it's actually true. <laughs> it's, it's the strangest thing where they do the wrong thing, but what they say is actually correct. So the Lord did deliver David of his enemy, but the way that the deliverance happened was not a godly way. And the Lord, the Lord can, even though the Lord doesn't do the ungodly thing, the Lord somehow manages with his allowance for all the sins of people his will is still done. The Lord had always said to David that he would be the shepherd of all the tribes. He would be the leader of all the people. So it was going to happen. So it just so happens that when these men turn up and they say to David, the Lord has delivered you of your enemy, 
They're actually speaking the truth, as weirdly as it is to say it, but David punishes them because what they have done is wrong. Now, these two men, obviously, they thought they were going to get some advantage out of it, and they looked at the situation and they said, David's supposed to be king, and this guy's not supposed to be king, so let's put it all in, in order, and we're going to get the reward. Now, I want you to pause for a minute and think to yourself, is there anyone you know that's out of the will of God right now? Can you think of a pastor or... Um, someone who's in ministry, or even someone who just thinks they're serving the Lord, but they're not in the will of God and it's obvious. Can you think of someone? <laughs> if you think hard enough, you'll come up with a list. I generally try not to think this, think about this because I feel like it's not really my place to come up with lists and decide who's in and who's out. That's really the Lord's job. Now, if somebody was, um, you know, preaching online and people that I knew and loved were being influenced by that, I'd feel obliged to say something. But if it's just out there, um, I'd just let it go. <laughs> that would be my approach. Unless it's hurting me, leave it in the Lord's hands. Or pray and ask the Lord to deal with it if it's a concern, but don't make it something you have to deal with. But what if you did find someone, let's say you found a minister that you knew and you thought, this guy's out of the will of God, I'm going to make it my business to tear this bloke down. Well, what you've just done is the same thing that these two blokes have done here, Rechab and Ba'ana. They recognised that Ishbosheth wasn't the king that was supposed to be there. They recognised that David was and they decided they're going to make it their business to tear him down. Well, you've got to be careful. And it's amazing how many people that there are that think it's their job to tear down anyone that they think is out of the will of God. Now, sometimes they might be right. Sometimes they're definitely not right because I've seen things said online that I, I just think these, these people are going to get the shock of their life when they stand before the Lord one day to find out that they have just, they have just been tearing down the kingdom of God with their words and their actions. It's, it's horrible. But even if you're right, is it our business to tear down people? I think that if, if, if we notice something that's a genuine concern, we, it's our business, unless it's hurting you or hurting people that, that, you know, or ruining people's lives, I think it's our business to take it to the Lord and say, Lord, I ask you to deal with this matter. It's not our business to tear people down. What did Christ say? He said, love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. These two men, um, Rechab and Ba'ana, they weren't even being persecuted by Ishbosheth. They were glory seekers. And a lot of people, they tear down others simply so that they can look good or simply so that they can get recognized. Like I noticed um, earlier this year, a very, very famous preacher who um, he had already died and his whole entire life had been a glorious uh, tribute to Christ. But after his death, some things came out in his life that were not glorifying to Christ. Well, as soon as it came out and was verified as true, the amount of people who put out YouTube videos rubbishing that guy. And um, my personal thoughts were that I was very saddened by what I heard, but the things that the Lord did through him 
was still it was still genuine ministry and the lord is so gracious he works with faulty people even people who are really faulty people like samson which we talked about when we were going through the book of judges i think when it comes to tearing down others no matter whether they're clearly wrong or whether we just think they're wrong we have to be so so careful Heavenly Father, ask you to forgive us our sins. Forgive us the times we have lifted our voice to speak against others. And Lord, I pray that you'd give us such wisdom and give us the heart of Christ. Lord, we know that you have spoken against people, but Lord, your word is true and there's no bitterness in your heart. And Lord, your judgments are right, but Lord, our judgments are often wrong. And Lord, we, we struggle with with misunderstanding, with bitterness, with offence, with pride, with glory-seeking, with so many things, Lord, forgive us. Lord, I pray you'd build your church. And if there are people that are ungodly, if there are false brethren, Lord, I pray that you would deal with them in your way, and your time, and that you would protect the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would remove from the body of Christ the Ishbosheths, and Lord, that you would put into your, into your church the Davids, Lord, I ask your blessing upon your people today in Jesus' name. Amen.